Hello and welcome to the Digging and Delving podcast number two. Yeah, well, I think the produce isn't necessarily the primary thing. Like being here, having that nice space uh, is, is huge with having an allotment. And when you're just pottering around, I love to potter, just pull the odd weed out and just leave it on the surface discover you know a seed that that has just germinated and all those things are, are, are hugely valuable as well as the actual produce the thing i hadn't realized about allotments is they're incredibly sociable so it's not just people hunched over a row of carrots on their own it's a lot of chat and discussion and it's a very sociable way of being around. My family have have uh, reluctantly helped me in the allotment um, and actually I think secretly they've enjoyed it when they've come down here. Um, I find it, apart from being a, a community-minded, um, interesting, social, friendly place to come, for me I like it when it's very quiet it's so tranquil here I really enjoy the peace and quiet it's such a beautiful place it is it's lovely um, it, a it's so peaceful and I think when I worked full-time and I was up in London for a period of that to come home and then come out here at night even though it was hard work I suppose um, it was just such a change from the the environment I was working in that to me it was so it was just like paradise to me I thought it was wonderful it was so peaceful and and everybody chatted to you and of course now I've got this plot absolutely at the beginning of the allotment so many people stop and talk you know and ask about it and I've given loads away um, because everyone I always say to people if there's anything you like I willingly dig a piece up or give you the seeds or whatever you know because well, it's nice to share things, you know, you give things away at the same time. So I get, I get um, pleasure from it in all sorts of ways, you know. There is a good social aspect. Yes. The old boys are very nice and they're very, very kind. Yeah. And they sort of people who do anything for you if you needed it, whether you were here or at home. Mm. You know, they just treat you like, I don't know, just treat you like a human, which is rather nice. Yes. In the day it is a bit of a social gathering, but it's exercise, which I wouldn't get otherwise. So, uh, yeah, try and keep the old doctor happy. But so no, so instead of sitting at home watching TV indoors, I'll, even in the winter, I'll still, as long as it's not raining, I'll come down and spend a few hours. I don't mind the cold. You can put some thermals on and stuff and that and just get stuff ready for next year, you know, putting muck on and whatever, getting it all, uh, all kitted out for next year. Oh yeah, we're always giving each other stuff. You know what I mean? I'll have some plants and he'll have, he's got a load of lettuce, you know, so I should take a lettuce later. You know what I mean? And, and they're so fresh and organic, you know? So yeah, we're always giving each other bits of stuff and whatever. 
and we help each other out. I'll bring the trailer down, we'll do a dump run and stuff like that. So it's a very cheap way of, of spending some time if you don't mind um, taking it easy in terms of getting all the you know the the greenhouses and the sheds and, and everything like that. If you're happy with what you got it's um, it's a relatively inexpensive way of being outdoors and you know, if I wasn't doing that I'd probably be going and having a drink by the river and this this is cheaper so so it's good for me. Hi, I'm Eric. Um, I'm sort of a volunteer for Create and Forest, and I come. To, I sort of come to this uh, allotment is because I um, enjoy uh, gardening, and um, I, heard, I well, basically, I want to come down and learn a bit about gardening. And I, I sort of aware that a lot of gardeners in uh, in the allotment that they're quite friendly uh, bunch of guy, and they quite sort of. Uh, generous in, in terms of giving out um, hints and things how to grow things and apart from that um, I also enjoy socializing with people and and enjoying the the sunshine as well and uh, because I'm getting old and the doctors I need to have more ex exercise actually it is quite a lot of hard work but um, but it's so rewarding and being out in the open seeing things grow naturally, well naturally to a point I suppose, I cultivate mm. the land, but um, but encouraging the insects and a sociableness as well, that other people share your interests as well and I think that helps you feel better in yourself. Yeah, it's just it's just same as us really in the sense of it's something nice to do that keeps you out of keeps you keeps you out of trouble and out of doors. Yeah. <laughs> right, well I'm Shane and this is my allotment and I've just recently taken over this plot, which is one of the bee friendly sites. There's I think there's three. So I've I've volunteered to care for it, clearing it as as you can see at the moment. Yeah. So the idea here is to uh, get it cleared and um, fill it full of flowers for the bees that are over there. Yeah. And quite a few other allotment tiers, as I'll call mm. them, have kindly donated bee-friendly flower seeds. So I've got enough flower seeds to sort of sow the whole mm. allotment, really. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Davidson. I've kept bees for about 55 years. <laughs> I started off in, in Conway, North Wales. And then I was in. I moved out of Southminster in 1970, and I had them over in Southminster until um, what seven years ago when we moved from Southminster to Burnham. Um, I've got two out apiaries myself, one up at High House, um, and uh, one down on the Wick. Um, but for my sins, I'm also responsible for the uh, district apiary. A member of the Molden, uh, Denji 100 Molden Beekeepers Association. Now we have uh, four or five hives which belong to the district. We also have a couple of hives um, of members who for one reason or other can't have them in their own garden and um, we've got one or two other um, little nucleus hives and other things on, on here. Um, we've got a collection of different types of hives as well so when we have people coming across um, on an open evening 
we can sh show the differences of an, a national hive, a commercial hive, a WBC hive, and WARA hive, various other things. So it gives them a bit, bit of a wider experience. You've got plenty of gardens around here, and of course people want flowers early in the season, so we get um, a nice early flow of honey. Then of course there's plenty of uh, feed for them on the allotments here. And then uh, last year we did very well because they had a big field of lucerne just across the back here, which uh, for some reason or other the dengue crop dryers didn't cut. So we had sort of six weeks of full honey flow um, right on our doorstep. Present moment there's a big honey flow on with the, all the bramble. That's um, bringing in a lot of honey. Um, regular inspections. Um, if you try and stop stop them from swarming, obviously, um, apart from the fact they're a nuisance to the neighbours, but when they swarm, 50% of the hive takes off and you lose 50% of productivity until the new queen has taken over and built up again. So you try and manage the hives so that they don't swarm, which means going through them every 10 days or so just to check what the situation is. Um, from now on, it's a question of uh, making sure they've got plenty of room, um, adding new boxes when they fill one box up so that, you, that they're not cramped. Um, that's about it. They're temperature dependent. So if it's a, um, a cold day, they cluster up in a tight cluster. Um, and they get, ever, like penguins in the Arctic, they get ever, ever tighter cluster. And... Um, the temperature of the centre of the cluster is always about 50 degrees. Um, but if it's a nice, fine, bright day, they'll be flying. I've had bees flying Christmas Day, New Year's Day. Um, if, if the temperature rises about 10 degrees, out they come and fly. So they don't actually hibernate as such. We, we had a bad a low about four years ago when we only had about 20 members. We've got about 65 members now in, in, in the uh, division which is, uh, covers Malden and the Denji. Um, nationally, we had, there was a huge surge in beekeeping about three years ago, when there's all this publicity about bees, and the BBKA really laid the publicity on. And there was a tremendous surge in beekeeping. We've got about uh, eight people locally in Burnham now in, in looking at my beekeeping, so. The next comes in, into the frame, and then the bees evaporate the uh, moisture out of it and when it gets down to something like 18 to 20 percent moisture only they then cap it over with a thin coat of wax you wait until the the whole frame is covered with um, what uh, is capped off take it out and with a usually with a, um, a very sharp or hot knife you just skim the top wax off and put it into virtually a centrifuge like a spin dryer and just spin the honey and um, it, it flies out and then you just, just tap it off at the bottom. Bees will, bees will forage up to three miles. Um, obviously it becomes uneconomic when they get into that, that distance. Um, sort of a couple of, three, couple of three hundred yards is, is the sort of the optimum I suppose. But as I say they will go up to three miles if they have to. They do not like thunder. I mean, if you get a, a thunderstorm in the offing, you don't go to your bees. We've had problems down here. Um, we had one nasty hive. Um, now, the temperament of a hive is entirely dependent upon the queen. And for some reason or other, we had a bad queen in this colony, and people were getting stung. We had about four or five people, allotment people, holders, got stung.
Um, we tried to um, requeen, requeen her, but we couldn't find the queen. And eventually, um, that hive is now up at High House, way up, you know, on my on my apiary. They were really were nasty. Subsequently, there's karma's mice up there now. Um, if you if you had a have a bad colony like that, and you can find the queen, you kill her, and either put a new queen in or let them raise raise themselves a new queen. And within um, two days of a new queen, the temperament of the colony completely change. It can be a vicious one minute and you no, know, really docile the next. It's just purely down to the temperament of the queen. There are two dedicated plots um, which are supposed to be planted up for bees. <coughs> Unfortunately, we haven't had the manpower to actually fully develop them. And there's one plot just over there which is um, designated for bees. We were hoping to get it um, cultivated and then plant up with um, bee-friendly plants. But there's, I mean, the, the, the first allotment as you come in, where she's got all the flowers there, she's got things like echiums, which are absolutely brilliant for bees. It's sort of a, a tower of bees. And um, people have got bits of um, borage and things like that on the allotments, which are brilliant. In, in the, the best places to keep bees are in or on the edge of towns and villages because people try and keep flowers going um, obviously your spring flowers and pollen is the most important thing early in the season because once the bees start rearing their young um, they need pollen which is the protein <laughs> just the fact that we, we just, just need bees and without bees and without pollination there's nothing um, and people obviously think about bees and fruit, you know, oh, apples and pears and that. What they don't realise is that without pollinators generally, and bees to a large extent, there would be no seed. I mean, your, your um, cabbages and your beans and your peas and onions, none of that seed would be, pro would be produced unless the plants are pollinated. So it's not just um, a minor effect. Without, without pollinating insects, we'd be existing on you know, wheat, barley, rice, yeah. oats, maize, that's it. We'd have nothing else, no, no fruit and veg at all. We have badgers here. Mm. Um, what else do we have? We have moles. Mm got lots of moles they love the uh, that's one one um, bad thing about the e putting edging into a garden is the moles love to make their runs against the edging because it's oh, okay. easier for them to to work the soil against the yeah. edge so that that moles are a huge problem but other than that it's it's not too bad well I caught a mole the other week let it go. It's um, quite unusual really because I've never seen one above ground. Seen the results of their work on the allotments, you know, quite a lot of time. And tripped over one or two but uh, um, never really uh, came face to face with one and um, it's rather fortunate really. It just sort of popped up out of the ground and I saw it on a bed by the green greenhouse here and uh, managed to scoop it into a bucket and um, took it to the fence and let it go the other side. 
Um, so I haven't had too much problem with moles, but um, there's enough friends of his around here, I can assure you, for, to keep us busy. We had a hare here last year, um, but uh, as far as, you know, larger fauna and stuff like that, we haven't seen too much more apart from the badgers. And I've had to build a, an enclosure over there in one part of the allotment to, um, to keep the badgers out of my sweet corn. It tends to be sweet corn and peas they go for. So I've uh, made sure that I grow those in that cage. And there's been some amazing wildlife, um, some fairly rare marsh birds, warblers and buntings and um, some lovely butterflies I've seen here as well over the last couple of years.